This is the Cast. What's this? You want to do an unboxing? Oh, yes, I wanted, yes, oh, well, yeah, I got, I got something in the mail. Uh, something, you know, that's very, very current and obviously makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of um, uh, where we are in the playoffs right now. Uh, I ordered a shirt. <laughs> Uh, I recently ordered a hockey shirt uh, that came in that came in just today, actually, um, and it's pretty cool. It has a lot to do with you know the, the playoff series that are going on right now. Oh, oh. Would you look at that! Would you look at this wow. really cool shirt that uh, totally still works with today's playoffs? For those of you who are <laughs> not watching the video version, it is a Carolina Hurricanes shirt, uh, specifically based on their away jersey. And oh, there's there's a name on the back. There's a there's a name on the back here. Oh. Oh, would you look at that? It's David Ayers. <laughs> they could have used him in uh, their playoff series. They, they maybe, maybe could, and he was he was there too. At least for game three or game one, he was there, I think. <laughs> so they could have used him. I, I was going to wear this on the show today, but uh, uh, just uh, decided not to for uh, – uh, I thought it would be more fun to kind of do like the surprise showing of what it, <laughs> of the shirt. But I'm, I'm quite proud of it, even though literally I, I ordered it during their playoff series, and it just came a little late. You were uh, and I, you were yeah. anticipating that series running a bit longer, maybe them going forward yes. into the next round, so the shirt would be a bit more applicable and timely. But it didn't happen, unfortunately. R.I.P. Hurricane season, Canes season. What is it? Jerks like us, or the, jerk, the bunch of jerks? Yeah, the, the hashtag bunch of, jerks. bunch of jerks like us, or whatever. They got John Cherry's only good, only good, uh, only good, uh, legacy is that one. Oh, yeah, the bunch of jerks quote that was his quote, wasn't it? I completely forgot that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I completely forgot the origin story of the bunch of jerks comment. You know why you probably forget about it is because it not only because like the hurricanes took the ball and ran with it to the point where now it's only synonymous with them, but like, because that was literally, I I have to, I, I, pretty sure that was literally right it right before like his departure like his big uh controversial departure and everything so like it kind of got overshadowed relatively quickly uh because he was criticizing them for doing the storm surge and everything uh after they won games that was the whole point of that quote yeah and then literally a bunch of other and then of course the whole you know the whole uh, situation with him uh got very bad very quickly um and so yeah, yeah. so literally i think it, it just got so overshadowed in that quickly that people just forget that that's a don cherry thing um right because yeah. like the the canucks version the uh team like that like you just know that was a drew dowdy cu- quote and it came out yes. way too early i think um i can't remember who did the interview with uh derek jory but derek jory was like you know we did the or no sorry this was um this was just the process, I think, doing their uh, interview yes. with the guy who used to be the like uh, the game presentation director, I think, Correct. for the Canucks. Something yeah, like that. and he came out and was like, you know, we did the team like that, and we wanted to take off, and like the coaching staff and the players were like, yeah, we're not wearing that. <laughs> we don't want this to be a thing, so they had to pull all the stuff or all the uh, the merch, I mean, which I understand because. Like the Don Cherry quote is fine to make like merch off of because it's Don Cherry. He's not a player. He's not a he's not a coach. He's just like a like a media guy. And we all know like that players don't really care for media. So if you can lampoon an outside observer for their thoughts on your team, like then that's funny and you can roll with it. But when it's a fellow player 
it's like a bit harder to roll with a quote they have, especially when it's Drew Doughty who says every team sucks after every single loss and every single win. Like he's just that quote machine when it comes to his opinions on fellow teams. So it made no sense to be like, like here's what Drew Doughty thinks. Well, we're a team like that. It's like, eh, yeah, an awkward uh, campaign slogan to to generate or attempt to make happen. I yeah, I I think especially like it wasn't. It's also like not as organic. Like there wasn't. It wasn't it as was organic. As hell. It was. It was. I, it wasn't okay. Like. I'm kind of like stuck in the middle on this one because I do think, yes, it was a bit forced. I don't think it was like so forced that it was like, say, to the point of like cringy. I just think eh. it didn't necessarily work. Like it was like team like that as a phrase is interesting, but it, it could be changed. Like the, the definition of that can be changed, right? Like that does, it's not like with bunch of jerks where it's like, there's, okay, this is very obviously uh, we are doing this tongue in cheek. Uh, you, by taking part in this as an opponent, uh, you are just feeding into it. So where, whereas say with like team like that, it's very easy for them to be like more like a losing team like that. If you lose, right. <laughs> like that's like, that's kind of the thing, right? Like there's yeah. not, it's, it can be, there's more open to interpretation aspect on that kind of phrase, whereas a bunch of jerks kind of speaks for itself. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that would make sense as to why the players and the coaches were maybe like, eh, we're not as big as on this one. They very much tried to go uh, the hurricane route. Uh, and it, it, I liked it. I have one of those shirts. I, I thought it was not. I thought, well, I liked the fact that they were at least trying. Like I, I respected them. Actually. <laughs> like I was like, it's not the best. But I at least like the fact that they're trying to be a little bit more on the edgy side and not trying to be uh, and not just doing the same, you know, the same old boring stuff, traditional hockey stuff every single year like they always do. Uh, I appreciated the the the, the effort. Um, but, yeah, it's not as good. And I, I honestly, this could kind of feed into the whole the whole stuff with last night where, you know, people were talking on Twitter about the Golden Knights entrance and how great it is. And the fact that like, you know, they have like, people were like, oh, it's like stepping into a rave. And I think Justin Morissette had that quote about how literally like so many teams uh, saw, like saw the Knights just take this, take the entertainment value aspect of the sport, uh, like the in-game entertainment to like a whole different level. And all the teams replicated was the damn, uh, let's get the siren thing like the the siren the the siren thing apparently and... apparently the siren thing has been around for a while for the canucks apparently i've just I never think... noticed it like i feel like maybe like they were doing it beforehand like maybe sparingly but i feel like after the vegas golden knights premier season every single team made it a part of their in-game presentation to begin a broadcast game showing some you know, local, you know, paramedic, person, whatever, yeah. winding up the siren or the air raid horn and mm -hmm. trying to pump up the crowds. But even casual fans at this point recognize this is a Vegas Golden Knights thing yeah. that they started. So now next year, how many teams do you think are going to do the light up tube thing? Th like at every single chair and like that's going to be the they, thing that's been 
that's been done before. I don't think like uh, uh, that. I, it's you know what? Like the thing that I hope I do honestly like if teams more teams did that, that would be that'd be fine with me. Like I wouldn't care all that much. Here, I just again, I just want teams to get a little bit more uh, like interesting. Like, uh, the thing that actually, like, the part about the, um, uh, the, the Golden Knights entertainment that really, that I find really act interesting mm-hmm. and enjoyable is the, like, that they have that whole, like, set, is, like, that whole, like, castle set that they all stand on, like, they have the drum line back there. Yeah. They have, like, the, the light up, like, the light up drum line, they have, like, yeah. people, it's like, clearly they, thought out. There's a theme. Like, yeah. It's like the office joke where they're trying to give, um kelly the birthday thing and they just like throw a bunch of crap up and she's like what's the theme what is the theme that you're trying to sell to me for my birthday and they're like right uh it's your birthday like that's how like nhl teams operate like the theme is you're at a hockey game that's it that's all we need to do whereas the golden knights were like no you are at a vegas golden knights event and it's gonna be the funnest shit you've ever been a part of even if it's super cringe like we got guys in golden fucking plates of armor up and down the aisles we got dead mouse wannabe drummers uh yeah. doing a drumline thing from nick cannon's drumline like it's nonsense. And if you find it cringe that's on you that's on yeah, you man and like that's like, kind of the attitude they've taken yeah and i i am a i appreciate it even though like i think a lot of the stuff they do is cringe but it's still something completely different and it's still fun for like, if you, bring, if you bring a kid, Vegas, they're going to love that. Yeah. And it works for Vegas. For that, exactly. for that city. It it's perfect because that city is kind of just, that's especially like the strip is that's just how Vegas is. That's just yeah. kind of the vibe. So it yeah. works. So while it maybe feels cringy to say somebody who doesn't, who has never been to Las Vegas or is like yeah. never, or has no, or only watches hockey for the on ice for the on ice aspect, not right. the on ice aspect, or if that, it's uh, for for the the actual market that they're in. It's perfect. It works perfectly, and yeah. so I would love to see more teams, especially especially the Canucks, try to find something that's more them. Like I'd love to see the Canucks try to put together a in a like an arena concept or like uh, like in terms of like how they approach the in-game entertainment and everything that's more that's more um specific to vancouver like what would fit in vancouver they've tried some stuff that's like again i'm not gonna harp on them for trying but it's again it's very much a okay you're trying to do the vegas thing we're like yeah. they have a drum line now they also have a drum line now uh and which again I like. I'm fine with the drumline. I don't hate it. it. But it's all. But it's very clearly the big. Very clearly, yeah, it's the biggest thing. Vegas. Yeah. Um. It's the. You know. They had. I think they had some like. Um. Uh. Some. Uh. Intermission acts in the last time fans were in the building, where it was like. Uh. People like impersonators of like other famous artists and stuff. Which um. Again, another okay. Sure. It's. But I don't think that's very vancouver like there's not a there's nothing that says that's vancouver you've got to try and find something that fits into the theme of the market and they're they're out there they're out there if you go looking it's just a matter of uh putting it together and sometimes you know what being willing to put the money forward to get it done (laughs) to get that sort of thing done 
And I mean, I think that segues really perfectly into, you know, talking about Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes upcoming uh, contract negotiations and how that's that's a lot to do with what kind of money are you willing to put forward right now to, to make this, to make this, uh, to improve this situation. Right. Right. Uh, cause yeah, like we, I mean, we spent last, basically like the last four months, like of our show talking about like, okay, they obviously didn't have enough money in the last off season to make the kinds of deals they wanted to, they couldn't continue with the, the all in approach they had taken in the previous season with the JT Miller trade and the, uh, Tyler Toffoli trade. So now this season looking you know, they only have three months or something, four months to basically put together an entire NHL team and an AHL team. And both of those things basically hinge on the kinds of contracts that they sign Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to, which they like desperately need to open the the books for. And some of the rumored um, deals that are coming out as reported by Rick Dollywall on Donnie and Dolly, uh, they're, they're, they interviewed J.P. Barry because I'm sure <laughs> J.P. Barry was like, Rick, quit calling me and messaging me. Like, if you want me to just if you want to just ask all these questions on your t- your radio show, just have me on. It'll be a lot quicker than us going back and forth via text. And then he uh, goes in and pitches uh, all the answers to his clients, including Louis Erickson, which we can also, I guess, kind of <laughs> get into sure. if, we, if we really want to. But um, yeah, the. <sighs> The Canucks are looking at four to five year deals on um, uh, Quinn Hughes, but they want to go long on uh, Elias Pettersson, which is interesting because I almost feel like they don't have the cap space to go long on either guy. But the fact that they want to tells me like they don't want to be in a situation where they have to renegotiate Pettersson, Hughes, Horvat uh hoglander like basically like all of these guys that we talked about like ahead of time like they're all going to expire in 2024 2025 or something like that and so they're trying to avoid a situation where they have to re-sign their entire core at the same juncture because that would just be a complete disaster you Uh, would absolutely walk away with only like say maybe three of them if they're if they're all UFAs, like you would only if walk away. If they're all UFAs, and them. you'd lose two, which, depend- de- which would still be a decimate, like decimate your roster. And you would also be banking on the fact that your team doesn't continue to be shit. Like, because if you're if your team is as bad as it was this season for the next three years or something, and then all of a sudden you know Horvat's expired, Miller's expired, and both of those guys are like, I, I can't put up with losing. I need to. I need to move on basically, then you're stuck with renegotiating Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson on extensions that will kill your cap even further. And now you have to rebuild again. Like that's a huge, huge disaster waiting to happen. Uh, But I, the most important takeaway from the whole like rumored contracts, uh, the contract terms that they want on Hughes is I think at five years, you're walking him to ufa which yes well is so concerning yes so yeah so both of them here's the thing right so for both of them i believe both of them their contracts uh if you go anywhere past five years on both of them 
that would they would then go to UFA. The reason why it's being talked about more with Hughes rather than Pedersen is that from the looks of, from the sounds of things, the Canucks are more willing right now to put a long-term deal right down on the table at however much money it takes for Elias Pedersen to sign right now right. and for long-term. So they'd be willing to give him much closer to a max contract, at which point you've done the thing you've done, you've, you've done the, the, the proper thing, which is you've signed, you've signed the guy for as long as you can, uh, as long as humanly possible for getting the full extent of their prime years, more or less like and with the potential that, uh, uh, in eight years, hopefully things have gone better and you, and you'd be able to come in as the incumbent and say, we'd like to resign you again and do it again. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you, cause again, you'd be able to offer the most years and the most money at, at, at that juncture too. With Hughes, the problem is that they don't really have the money to do that for both players. So one of these players more likely Hughes because Pedersen is already, uh, I don't know if it's that he's established himself more because they both clearly established them, themselves pretty well here. Yeah. Um, more that it is very clear that Pedersen is the face of the franchise at this point. Um, it's more uh, so Hughes is very much number two in this case. Um, and I think the whole and the thing is they just once they sign Pedersen to that long term contract, there won't be the money to do it for Hughes as well because they need to sign all the other players to play yeah. with them. Uh, and right now they're just in such a cap bind that they can't, if they, again, if they had managed their cap more properly, they probably, they could have, they could have given them matching contracts probably, uh, yeah. whether or not that's a bad deal, whether or not you consider that too much or too little, what have you, they could have at least had the choice, uh, here they don't. So the whole point is the whole thing with Hughes's contract is it kind of has to be, if the Canucks are do it, are doing this properly, it has to be under four yes be four years or less you cannot let him you cannot give him basically uh a, a cheap like throw a relatively well i guess high priced contract for th for four or five years for five years only to have him walk out the door like you just mm -hmm. you, you just can't do that you have to it has to be a contract where you still get at least one more controllable contract so when the cap comes up you're able to read, you're able to get the time and to uh, renegotiate and give, and give him that next big contract as well. You just can't, that's the bottom line is you can't walk him to free agency. That's just a huge mistake. No. And I mean, the Canucks already have the issue right now where they're basically looking at like Patterson, like, okay, we need to sign him long-term because uh, if we don't, he could probably get offer sheeted by any team with cap space and we lose him for nothing or not. He'd be a like, very good, uh, very good offer sheet. Uh, yeah. I, if you're the Habs and you walk away from, you know, your all your expiring UFAs and you're Mark Bergevin and you're absolutely insane. Cause you're, always churning guys in and out signing contracts like a madman uh it would make sense you know you uh offer sheeted uh aho at a you know a okay number that was like there's no way that carolina wasn't gonna match it but mm. that told me he has no care in the world of you know upsetting fellow gms with offer sheets like and 
total side tangent, but people were like, oh, people don't offer sheet because they don't want to get blackballed by the community. Um, like six months after Bergevin offer sheeted Aho, he facilitate, facilitated a trade with Carolina. So it's like, there's no blackball when you offer sheet someone. They, yeah. they know the situation, right? It doesn't matter. And it's, it, it's, I, I imagine it's not so much that as it is about like, well, you will piss them off or at the, you will at least like annoy them and they might not want to do business with you. But at the end of the day, they will, if there's a, there's a good deal out there, they're yeah. not going to care. They're not going to care. Yeah. You like that would, the, the negative of blackballing or icing out a GM because he offer sheeted your player is if he is a good player that he's willing to offer you in exchange for someone that you're, you deem expendable, then you've lost out, not him. You have. So mm -hmm. that you shouldn't care. Like if you get offer sheeted or whatever, you just basically got to look at yourself and be like, wow, I fucked up. I fucked up my cap for putting my team in a position where I could lose Elias Pettersson to a, what is it? Uh, eight year maximum deal at 11 million or 10.5, yeah. whatever. Like that, that's where I'm like, I still don't understand the whole they're going long with Pedersen because if they sign him to a 10 point, whatever million dollar contract, they still then need to get Quinn Hughes under like five and JP Barry runs both of them. What if he gets Pedersen signed to the max and then he's like, oh, my client Quinn Hughes is not going to play for you unless it's an $8 million deal. And he just holds them hostage or vice versa, yeah. right? Like he can easily right. do that. He he controls both of them at this point. And so if you're Mark Vergevin, back to my original point, you're probably watching this situation and you're like, you know, even if playoffs don't go our way, I can probably lift Elias Patterson with a max deal if I really wanted to. And it would yeah. totally screw the Canucks. Like, because they would have to match. They would oh, have to they, match. You, and you, everything you that falls out zero, from it would be screwed. Under zero circumstances are you not matching that. Because, again, because generally speaking, that pick by the, the compensation you'll get, sure, might be four first-round picks. Like, say, if you gave them, like, the max amount of money possible. Yeah. Uh, might be, like, four, like, four first-round picks or whatever. But that team is probably going to be good with Elias Pettersson. So, yeah, those aren't going to be high. The, They're not going to the be high. 28th pick overall. Like, you're getting you'd like have to, 28 out of 32 or, tw or yeah. 26 out of 32. Like, yeah. you're not exactly swimming in like the best picks available to you. You're, you're screwed. Yeah. I want to, I just want to say here as well, though. Um, and I, I, I think offer sheets are interesting and I just want to like, uh, and I actually pushed, I was actually really back in the, a few years back, I was really pushing for the Canucks to offer sheet a specific player based on the contract he signed now, he mm -hmm. signed to now, uh, if the Canucks had made that offer sheet and say the team in question didn't match, uh, yeah. apparently I'm just, I'm just looking at the sheet right now out of interest. Uh, it would have cost them a first round pick, a second round pick and a third round pick, uh, uh, first, a second, and a third. Do you know? Do you know what player I'm talking about? Do you know which player I'm, I'm thinking of right now? Uh, how many years ago are you talking? Um, I guess this would have been. I think maybe three, four years ago. Um, let's see, 2017. This would have been 2017. Oh. Um, right when the Canucks were at their worst, it had nothing going for them like when there was like very little to go off of for the canucks uh, in, in terms of uh 
in terms of what they in terms of what they have in the to worry about losing, right? You know what? I think I know who it is because I remember in 2017 a lot of discussion was happening about offer sheeting this player, but I cannot remember their name. So please. Well, Okay, that player I wanted the Canucks offer sheet was Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> uh, right. Imagine, okay. how, like, I, I, I obviously they weren't they weren't going to. Uh, Oilers right. would have matched anyway. But imagine if you got Leon Dreisaitl uh, for a first, a second, and a third. That's not bad. That's not bad for Leon Dreisaitl. Like, imagine that trade nowadays. You'd be laughed out if you're like, if you went up to the Oilers today, we're like, hey, we'll give you a first, a second, and a third for Dreisaitl. They would, they would laugh you right out of the room. They would when, just laugh when, you right out. When did they sign Dreisaitl, though? Because the, the August fo- 2017. So, oh, in okay. Theory, so, in yeah. theory, they could have still picked Pedersen in 2017. Yes. Gone into the offseason, offer sheeted <laughs> him, God, given up God, their 2018 dude. first. I mean, obviously, it, you'd be losing Quinn Hughes because, in theory, mm-hmm. you would have Leon Dreisaitl on a line with Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. That is. Unless you potentially. Uh, would you have to trade your own first round pick, or would you have to. Uh, or could you potentially acquire another one uh, somewhere along the lines and give that one away? Because, in theory, you could. Uh, not the Canucks necessarily had the things to do that, but it would have been like had the uh, assets to make that happen. But like, that's a good question. A, we we could spend hours on this. We won't. I'm just kind of <laughs> thought it, it's it's funny just looking at it. Like, oh my god, oh my god, the Canucks could have had it, the Canucks could have potentially very very the- in theory had <laughs> uh, Leon Drysidle for that much money because it was right before I think it was before they had to sign McDavid to his contract or something. Uh, or is like right around there. So I was like, oh yeah, you, you're not going to get McDavid, but maybe you could fuck them up and take dry yeah. and, and take dry right as they're getting into that, that negotiation. Because you at the could, end of the day, like, I mean, it's funny. It's like players all the time say like, like after they get traded or moved on, right. They're like, oh, you know, hockey's a business. It's just the way it is. And mm-hmm. that's how you kind of need to look at it. Like a, as a team, right? Like I'm off sheeting the Oilers and if they match great or they or sorry, if they, do, if they don't match great, I've picked up a player I think is going to be great for our team for the uh, value going out. If they don't match or sorry, if they do match, then they've now got X dollars left less to work with in their cap space, which means I can go back to them and try and trade for X player that I wanted in like second on the list of their group. And so like I believe that was actually from a, a thing standpoint. that happened to the uh that was the thing that happened to the Canucks like when uh someone tried uh the Blues I think offer sheeted Peter Nedved they actually like made this deal where basically the Canucks like the compensation the Canucks got back was yeah. like traded almost immediately right back to the Blues like they like I think it was like Craig Janney they got like Craig Janney the Canucks argued that they should get Brandon Shanahan and did not get him but instead they got like Jeff Brown, um, who was, it was Jeff Brown, I think Brett Hedekin and Nathan Lafayette. I think they got, which ended up being all core parts of that 94 run. So they ended up doing think, okay on it. Didn't um, they, haven't they offer sheeted, haven't the blues offer sheeted someone twice in their career and given up eight first round picks? Am I, 
Oh yeah. Who am I yes, thinking of? So and, and all all eight were like, we're oh. <laughs> this show has gone way off yeah, track. This is off but, the rails. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got it's the summer. Who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah. We I so that I think the first year they offer she did Scott Stevens. Uh, right. I, or, I, or no the the first year I think they offer she did Brandon Shanahan got him. That's then right. they offer yeah. she did Scott Steve. Uh, oh no 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 yeah I'm flipping it around. They offer she did Stevens first got him. They offer sheeted Shanahan, also a devil, also on the devils. Uh, obviously, did not have the the picks to compensate to get him anymore because they had already given it up for Shanahan. Had to immediately give back Stevens, I believe, or give Stevens to the Devils as compensation because uh, they had offer sheeted him from the Capitals because uh, he was a Capital beforehand. So they literally got one year out of Scott Stevens before they had to give him up as compensation to the Devils for taking Shanahan. Uh, Lou Amarello at work, um, and then tried to offer sheet Nedved. I think that same off season did it. Won again. The Canucks tried to argue that they should get Shanahan in compensation for uh, in compensation for him. Uh, did not. Did not in terms of the arbitration court. Uh, got Janney, who they then traded back like the next day. He didn't even play a game. I don't think for the Canucks. Um, so. Yeah, they've done that. And then the one thing that does open your, you do open yourself up to uh, when it comes to offer sheeting, at least nowadays, this is kind of how it goes, is uh, teams will retaliate against you. We'll kind of like send a retaliatory offer sheet your way. Like I think yeah. when Mike Gillis was uh, GM of the Canucks, they try, they off, they successfully get, signed David Backus to an offer sheet. The Blues matched it. And then I think the very next offseason, or maybe even that summer, it was like that uh, week, the, wasn't the, it? The, the Canucks, the might, yeah, might have even been that. that it was like that same week. it was like instantly uh, they, they were like, the, fuck you. They the Blues offer sheeted Steve Bernier, and the Canucks had to match that because uh, that's literally the one thing that ever happens with offer sheets anymore yeah. is you sign it, there, the other team almost always matches, and then maybe if they're really pissed off at you for it they'll offer sheet one of your guys just to be an ass, uh, just to be petty about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Canucks are not, don't have to worry about, I don't think they're going to, they're going to need to worry about that with Pedersen too much. He's going to get the money. Uh, he, he, uh, he deserves, he's going to get the full, he's going to get as close to the full max contract you can give to a player of his caliber. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, I think if the Canucks, I, I I remember one of my hot takes from like two years ago was that I think Elias Pettersson eventually will end up being the highest paid player in the NHL for a while because I think he'll be able to offer that argue that his uh, the Canucks need him as much as like Connor McDavid as the Oilers need Connor McDavid kind of thing. Even though he's right. not as good a player necessarily, like he's not as spectacular. Yeah. I think the injuries have tripped him up. But I think there very easily could have been a case where he was like end up getting more money than like Matthews or McDavid or any of those guys per year, just a because of the inflation rate going up, and then right. like the, the 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 salary cap going up, how much you can offer a player, and then just how much the Canucks he matters to the Canucks. They could he could very much have made that argument. Now with the right. pandemic and everything else, he can't the really... flat cap for five years. Like yeah, like the chances yeah. are like his his AAV probably might not even go past 10. Like I can't I mean, imagine yeah. it would at this point. Like it's, 
at this point, I think it'll yeah. be close. I think it'll be yeah, pretty darn It'll probably close be nine seven fifty or something like that. It'll be really high. I, I like it depends. He'll like, be a top ten paid player in the league probably, and he'll because, deserve it too. Yeah, because when they were talking about the deals, they were like, "Oh yeah, four to five years on Hughes, but we're going long on Pedersen." It's like, okay, well, how long is long, right? Because if you're signing for a guy for 10 years plus, like you're entering the McDavid Marner territory, right? Where you're pushing 11 mil per year, but they mm-hmm. obviously cannot, cannot under any circumstances afford an $11 million contract the way their books are currently set up. Like, yeah. so is long for them seven years and they do the Austin Matthews thing where they still do 10, but it's like shorter. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's very bizarre what, they, what they're going to try and do here, knowing that the cap isn't going up for five years. It's going to be like that, you know, 10% of the cap or whatever is assigned to the contract is going to stay 10%. But then when it goes up, it's going to dip down to nine or eight or whatever at the end of five. Yeah. So right. what are they thinking then is long? Yeah. Again, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset that when the NHL, uh, I've said it before that I think the NHL is preparing everybody for the worst. I do think the, the cap at the very least will go up a slight bit every so often. I, I'd be stunned to see it literally sit at that flat note zero change every yeah. year. I think they're just preparing everybody for the worst, uh, worst right. case scenario. Um, but yeah, uh, but at the same time with a player of Pedersen's caliber, if it's one of those, like if there's one thing the Canucks should learn from like, say like the golden Knights where they had the whole situation last year with Petrangelo where mm-hmm. they were like, look, we're going to sign Alex Petrangelo, give him that much money. Even though we don't have it in the cap space, we're yeah. going to agree to it yeah. and figure out how to find the, the room later. We're going to, we'll find the cap space after. Yeah. With, with Pedersen even more so it's one of those you almost should just you in a way you almost should just go here's a yes. blank check here's what you here's the, you want. Here's the dump truck full of money <laughs> yeah here's the dump truck yeah here's the dump truck full of money uh we will figure out how to clear the cap space to make it to get it actually make it official after yeah we will, we will figure that part out second like it's because i mean louis erickson's contract is up at the end of this season um that's gonna free up six million. whether they buy it out which would be yeah. just so stupid just ride yeah. it out yeah just you ride you, it out you, you either Throw ride it minors. out or or say he's allergic to his equipment or something and <laughs> and let him go psoriasis um, is uh killing him yeah yeah that there are there are ways you could get rid of it that don't involve buying it out um yeah. There are other contracts that are much more worth looking at buying out, like Jake Furtanen's probably, as far as, as far as like a short-term contract is concerned. They'll but, probably get mutually terminated, if anything, depending on how this. I mean, I think they could argue that they going. don't even. I mean, yeah, I think very. I think at this point they could very. Well, we'll see how the the court proceedings go, but I wouldn't be surprised right. if, based on the, based on what the verdict ends up being on that. That you couldn't just go, okay, we're going to terminate this ourselves because we very mm-hmm. clearly have the ability to. Like, I'd yeah. be shocked if there wasn't something in there like, hey, if you're in, you know, legal trouble, if you go get into legal issue, like mm. a, a serious legal issue, that we can't just terminate your contract right out of the gate for that, right? Yeah. Um, 
So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that, if I wouldn't be surprised if, well, again, depending on how that goes, we have, we can't really, you know, there's not anything we can yeah. say on it really because it's in court, but Pedersen, like you just, you have to find, you just find the money with Hughes. I don't think he can, he, he can't get off or sheeted. I believe is the thing with him, right? Like his contract, he is the one, no. I think the one, the one thing the Canucks have going for them in the negotiation standpoint is that he cannot be offer sheeted. Hooray. So he's safe. Well, that is a bit of a hooray because theoretically, if the, if he, if he was, then he would also be very susceptible to an offer. Sheet. Well, he's a it's very like a good defenseman. It's like a hooray in the sense where it's like, okay, we shot ourselves in the foot for one of our star players, but we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot for the other guy. Like it's, Oh my God. What was the Twitter exchange I had where someone was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So everyone was really mad about my whole like ju- laughing at the idea that Jonathan Dolan could be like a top six fixture in the sharks and just like light up the league. And it would be like really funny if that happened just cause you know, just for the sake of like how many Canucks fans in the world are like, like make up in their heads that he has attitude problems. And that's why it was a good riddance thing. Like just speaking yeah, out of their ass. Mm, right. Mm, mm. We can't get into that, but um it's, I mean, to me, it's, yeah, it's very yeah. funny that like, like a lot of people just like jump to be like, oh, he has attitude issues. He's never going to make it. And they will fight to the death over the idea that like him making the NHL is like an insult to the, the Canucks somehow. And like, you're a fucking idiot for thinking that he is entitled to, or, or like he's earned his success in the world. Like, God forbid, I wish like, good things, good things happen to a hockey player like god forbid i do that so someone responded to my tweet basically being like uh they walked from dolan and they like history's proven they've done a good job at walking away from players and a part of me is like okay that's the bare minimum you can walk away from cool. anyone if you want but the the history doesn't say that they're good at walking away from people because you know why five of them are stuck on long-term deals and are going to provide nothing to them over the next one to two seasons in Beagle, Roussel, Furland, Myers. Like they're not good at walking away from people. And also if you're walking, being good at walking away from people, isn't a, a skill that isn't a skill that good teams need to have. Yeah. Also, uh, is also a thing you might notice how with a lot of the good teams, they don't need to walk away from players that often. They yeah, just weird are good. They, <laughs> they just, just get work good out. players. It just happens they just, because they, they just work out players. and do their job and in the in the role and they fit a role perfectly, it's whether that's at that the works. AHL level or the NHL level. Isn't yeah. that interesting? That's it's, not exactly a that uh, that's it's <laughs> that's almost know, like being like say like. Say what you will about like how it's like. Oh, I, see, like, I know what you're talking about. It's like it's, it's like um whenever like the the prequels are talked about in uh on Twitter about like the Star Wars prequels and they're like say what you will about George Lucas, but that man knew uh CGI and it's like that that doesn't matter. The CGI the, doesn't matter in the Star Wars prequels. You need something if the movie's worth watching. Not good if the movie's not good, who cares? Like, yeah, so it's like yeah, you can sure, walk away from right. like. You could walk away from 25 players, but that still means you identified 25 players who are bad. That's not a compliment. Not, not only That's not, not good. working out for you, but ended up so poorly that you had to walk away from them. And uh, I mean, Jonathan Dolan yeah. wasn't even a player that they should have walked away from. He was a player that they should have, I think they should have kept. 
I they think should have made they, it work. They should have. That was tried, a player that they should have reconciled the relationship. Like I yeah, think I, I think I've I, talked about this on this this podcast before, but that also that season had two players from Europe leave, and the only thing they said was there was a serious communication issue between them, the coaching staff, and the GM. What happened at the end of that season? The GM said he needed to go to Utica. It was the first time he had done so all season, which is a an immediate red flag. And they and, didn't have anybody who was red, regularly doing that, I believe, at the time. Yeah, Ryan Johnson was operating out of Chicago or something like that, so he wasn't even on the ground in Utica for that year. Yeah, and yeah. you know what he does before the plane has even landed in Utica? He gets out the door, press ask him what does he think about the team, and Jim it's a great says. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with our organization's communication issues. Everything is working fine down on the farm. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, no and I, again. Yeah. I talked I talked to I talked to Dolan. He it, it, I definitely did not get the vibe of a kid who had some sort of like issue who had some sort of um attitude like, problem uh, or whatever. Attitude problems. Again, literally took all the time to talk to us. Didn't really have to. Like, he didn't yeah. have to. He was, uh, uh, took his time, like, had a good conversation. He, he seemed like a very genuine, nice kid. So I don't buy that. I don't buy the attitude issues thing for a second. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you gotta, you got, I, you, with, in terms of like the players that they're dealing with right now, obviously that's not a worry. Like, they don't have to worry that, like, uh, I don't think they have to worry that say that uh, Hughes is going to like walk out the door or something like that or anything like that. Right. Mm. He's in the NHL. He's not going to walk away and be like, yeah, and you're not going to the relationship and there's no relationship issues there, obviously, or at least as far as you know, Um, it's they're doing like, you just have to, you got to make you, you just can't let them walk to free agency because potentially the, if the team's not good enough, if the team doesn't live up to the expectation that you have for them as management and, more importantly to the vision that you sell to those players uh, when you sign, especially to a player that you're signing to basically a bridge to a bridge contract being like, we'll give you your money next time. Uh, they're going to be mad. If, if you give them five years and it doesn't work out, you're in a lot of trouble because you're probably about to lose that asset for nothing. So yeah. it's got to be for you find the money, you find the money as you can. I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll, they'll get it done. Like there's, I don't think there's anyone under the impression that they won't. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, oh my God, please do not give him the, um, do not let, do not just walk him to free agency because that will end poorly for you. So here's where we can segue into our next little segment. Um, because I want to harken back to what you're talking about with the Vegas Golden Knights and basically how they approach the Alex Petrangelo deal. They saw that they did not have the cap space whatsoever, but they identified that Petrangelo wanted out of St. Louis. He wanted a big payday and they saw him as a complete upgrade on what they had going on on the right side. Uh, So what did they do? They signed him and then they said, okay, now how do we offload some of the cash? And if we can recoup anything, then the net value of Alex Petrangelo and whatever pick or prospect or whatever in exchange for Nate Schmidt or whoever else going out the door, it's completely worth it. And that's kind of the approach that the Canucks need to take here 
the only problem is like, as you can hear in our podcast and the way that we kind of talk about the Canucks issues and like solutions that they need to take to be a better club. We're kind of resorting to what we know that the team is used to doing. They're not used to creative thinking. They're not used to creative solutions or thinking ahead or taking the bold risks so that they can, you know, you know, get the better player in the door. They take the safest route possible, and it doesn't exactly result in uh, good players being added for cheap, or at least good players being added in general through free agency or through trades. So I would like to see them sign Patterson to that long-term deal, sign Hughes to that, you know, bridge contract four years at whatever and then go get themselves a Dougie Hamilton at $7 million uh, for seven years or whatever it is. And then you say, if we can trade Nate Schmidt for a fourth round pick that doesn't give or show up for another two years, whatever. We got rid of the cap space and we now are up a better defenseman on the right side at just a bit more cash than... Uh, Schmidt's earning right now and Mm -hmm. we're still getting a pick back so we've recouped assets we've paid a bit more but we are significantly better on the right side Mm -hmm. will they be that bold to make a decision like that though remains to be seen because we have seven years almost eight now of those kinds of moves not ever existing. So I wanted your thoughts as the resident Carolina Hurricanes fan. What <laughs> what would Dougie Hamilton bring to the Vancouver Canucks if they were able to, as I said, do a bunch of bold maneuvers to significantly improve their right side? I mean, he brings a guy who, I mean, he's a defenseman that can uh, regularly chip in with, 40 points a year, which is not nothing, especially because I mean, like we haven't like we're they're starting to get in a little bit of a crop here of defensemen who can really put the puck in the net. Obviously, Hughes, you have Rathbone potentially could be that kind of a score as well. But mm-hmm. 40 point a guy who can contribute regular 40 points a year as a defenseman is incredible, especially on that right side. Right side defensemen are yeah. an absolute premium especially when you can find one that scores with regularity. It's so hard to find one. Dougie Hamilton, for some reason, gets lumped in as this defenseman who's like, uh, he's he's gotten lumped in as almost like a bust for some reason. uh, And that started (laughs) with Boston. Well, we know why. Well, yeah, we kind of know why. And it Um, has nothing to do with hockey, which is the most insane thing imaginable. And for the... to be fair, it seems like in Carolina that that weird that weird type of story that weird uh, storyline around him has gone away. Like I haven't heard yeah. anything similar to that, like from his time no. in like Boston and Calgary. So it seems like he went to a franchise that didn't that didn't mind that actually took him that actually um, uh, approached him properly and. Uh, Saw what? Oh, hey, here we know how to actually get the best out of this player and actually uh, uh, welcome them into the franchise a little bit more properly, right? Yeah. Uh, they did a good job with that. It seems like, um, and now you have a guy, and now you have a defenseman who's literally just could get 
he could get a lot of money. Like the, he could very, he's going to get a serious um, pay rate raise from what he's getting now, which is only 5.7 million, which is just incredible for a guy who's a first yeah, pairing. Defenseman. That's a bargain. A, he's a first pairing defenseman. He's a right shooting to right shooting, right side defenseman. He's yeah. a power play quarterback. He can do a lot for you. He's um, a lot of minutes. It's a lot of minutes. I obviously, you know, in an ideal situation, in an ideal scenario, you know, maybe you're looking at a situation where you get rid of, say, like you move on from like a Tyler Myers and you replace him with a Dougie Hamilton. That's not going to happen. So more yeah. likely you have to look at you, you. You are going to have to give something up. The Hurricanes are doing something very smart right now where they have basically identified the fact that, OK, we're a bit cap strapped right now. We're a bit cap strapped. We can't really afford to give him this big amount of money as much as they want to. The best thing we can probably do though is uh sign and trade is a possible sign and trade. So they give, they, they sign the initial contract and then immediately trade him to the team that wants him. Yeah. That's the one bit of leverage they have over. They have they have right now. And that's very smart that they're going and being proactive about it right now. Yeah. Um, so, because they have the cap space to give him that money right now, but they 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 can't afford to keep him long term. This is a very mm-hmm. smart way of handling it. So, if I'm the Canucks, and I believe here's the one thing for Jim Benning here in his favor, I do believe he is a propo- a big a big Dougie Hamilton guy. I do believe he was, I believe he was crucial in getting him drafted to the Bruins in the first place. I believe that was one of his picks. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong on that, but I, be, I if I remember at the time him being very when, high on Dougie Hamilton uh, yeah, they, as the, they as took the assistant him in, GM. They took him in 2011, right? So it was right after they won their cup against a certain team who will yes. not be spoken of on this. Especially program. not especially not today. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're recording June 15th, by the way. Yeah, it, right two days before my birthday. It was a terrible hey. birthday uh, that year. That was a terrible birthday. Um, it and yeah, I th- I do believe at the time he was big. He was a big. Uh, he pushed big for Dougie Hamilton. I could be totally wrong. That could be totally just. Uh, I could be making stuff up right now, but I believe that's the case. Um, okay. So he okay. likes him, from my understanding. He at least has a has a history with Dougie Hamilton. So I get. So if I'm the Canucks, I'm looking at this as right. Okay, probably you have to start with Nate Schmidt because you have to give them a right side defenseman who's available right now. Um, and I believe Schmidt is only how much is uh, Schmidt's contract right now is, uh, is 5.9. So it's yeah. about what they're, it's a little bit more than what they're paying Dougie Hamilton right now. But the important part for the hurricanes is that it's a manageable number. Uh, it's, it's because right now Hamilton's due to get a huge pay grade to a huge pay upgrade that they can't afford. They can afford to pay like $250,000 more. Yeah. And that would be, and the hurricanes, they just are looking for term because they're windows right now. They just need to win right now. You know um, what's wild? What? Uh, you and Dougie Hamilton share a birthday. <laughs> Do we really? <laughs> yeah. He's born June 17th. June 17th, four years earlier. I thought you meant like the year too. I was like, what? No, that, that that'd does, be what? That doesn't line up. That would have been pretty wild. But Dougie uh, Hamilton is only 28. And I believe Nate Schmidt is, is one year older. Yeah. So yeah, it's like one getting, year older. If you acquired Dougie Hamilton, like obviously the sign and trade thing makes that pretty hard because Caroline is going to bend you over the barrel to, uh, to pull him out on the deal that you like. Um, but you're getting a younger defenseman and you're probably 
going to get him like on a deal that doesn't involve a no move trade or a no move clause because he didn't sign one in Calgary and that was a big contract. Oh, he actually time. did. So he actually did sign one in Calgary, but when he got traded, they did. It was before it had to, it had to be, uh, oh, it gave the option to the Canes that they could void it, that they could, that they didn't have to, uh, that they didn't have to honor that no trade clause when it. they trade at the time when they traded for him. And that was wow. the, and Carolina didn't. Uh, so that's how come that went the way it did. Um, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you could potentially get him on a no, on a no move on a, or a, without a no move. Um, and the other thing that kind of throws a wrinkle into it as well with Carolina is that they have the Seattle expansion draft to worry about right now. Um, yeah. and that's going to be, and they've got a lot of players that, they need to protect. They're very much one of that's why obviously Hayden Flurry went to the Ducks a little yeah. earlier in the in the in the trade deadline. Um with Dougie, the with it, by trading for Schmidt, um maybe you worry about I don't know if they're worried. I don't think they'll be as worried about losing him as they would say a Dougie Hamilton again, mm-hmm. cheaper contract, a little older. If you get him, if you get him and you get to keep him, good for the for the Hurricanes. They that would be that would be something that they'd be interested in. But uh, if you don't have to, but if Seattle picks him up, then hey, there's cap, there's cap room that creates cap room for them, which is what right. they need. So there, I think very, I think there is a scenario where you could maybe work something out where Hamilton comes to the Canucks on that premium defenseman contract, expensive contract, uh, and you have to move out an H Schmidt to get him. It's a, it's not a, it's not a massive upgrade, but it is an upgrade. Like it's a pretty mm. serious one for what he brings to the table. Um, it and um, for the amount of money that he'd be getting, it's probably still because of the way the cap the cap situation is right now. It's probably yeah. still a little bit less than he's really worth. So you could, yeah, it, you could probably get a pretty decent deal on him in theory. Yeah. At least so on the again, contract the, side. The real question is, what kind of uh, draft picks are you willing to give up to get them? Because that's right. what, it's not going to be one for one. You have to get. You're going to have to give. You're probably ha- going to have to give up, say, a high draft pick, probably a set, probably almost pro- basically the same deal uh, they got Schmidt with in the first place, where it's Schmidt in a second probably to get him. Like that's probably what it'll take at the the least, at the very least, to get him. It'll probably yeah. take more. But at the very lowest end of the spectrum, you're probably giving up close to like a second round pick and Nate Schmidt to get Dougie Hamilton on probably what seven eight million per year. Um, it could work. I I don't I like him. I like Hamilton. I think he would be very good fit on the Canucks. Um, again, there's a lot it's of just good. Um, sorry, it, go ahead. Uh, so it's just it literally the one thing that I worry about is just again because of how much money they're already giving to to Tyler Myers right now. Uh, for what his skill set is supposed to be, that's a little bit harder to stomach. Like, if he wasn't there, it'd be a lot easier for me to go and say, yes, go and get Dougie Hamilton. Uh, but it's literally just the fact that he's there and he kind of plays the same role to, you know, albeit to a not the same level. Hamilton is clearly the better one, the better defenseman. It's just that he's already there and you're not getting rid of him. Uh Maybe you can find a way. I don't know. You might have to take a loss on that one, though. I don't, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, like, in realistically speaking, looking at the Canucks offseason, they're probably going to take a couple of losses just with the way that contracts are shaking out, the way the expansion draft's going to shake out. The L's and are as coming. they should. They should. Yeah. They should. If they're smart, it, it's almost like a control. It's, you know what it is? 
the Canucks need to be okay to take a to to take on a controlled burn where it's like a like you know how there's like the whole thing of like people like uh I believe in like um a lot of like first I believe it's like a lot of first nations like native americans um with when it came to like forestry they would do controlled burns where they would essentially they would purposely yeah. uh set fire to small parts of the forest to keep it from getting too over over foresty over yeah. like overforested because yeah. that leads because if you're not careful that leads to a to huge forest, forest fires, fires to yeah. massive forest fires right and that was actually a whole thing is in california the the places where native americans used to do a lot of those like uh those controlled burns uh once the the once the uh american american governments came in and kicked them out basically they stopped doing that and all of a sudden hey forest fires massive ones every single year because everything is so dry because everything is so and dry they, and just and, and then a mess. The, then didn't Benning and Benning? <laughs> uh, Ooh, that's, 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 didn't, I don't think he's involved in that one. I don't didn't think Trump have like that quote where he's like, uh, they have guys raking the the forest floors or something of leaves, something and that's why like it's something so stupid, like know, forest fires. But know, anyway. something like that, something stupid. But like, uh, I, uh, I didn't mean for this to go in such a weird polit in such a weird political uh, sort no, of Benning, uh, direction. Yeah. But Benning like, Trump like the are best friends. And this uh, is why oh, they okay, are the reason okay. why forest fires exist. That is oh, what oh, that is what Lachlan dear. Urban is saying. Oh dear, I am. <laughs> I did not say that. I like to be very clear. I did not say that. Um, but if the in other, but what I'm saying is, if the Canucks are smart, they'll do basically. They'll take a controlled burn aspect to it, where they are taking calculated losses yes. in certain departments to avoid uh, a massive, a massive just error. To avoid that massive mistake that just engulfs the entire cap situation, the entire cap situation. That's yeah. what they need to be doing this offseason. They need to find ways to take controlled losses to avoid a huge one fighting them later. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that probably does it for the, the Canucks related discussion. So why don't we talk about the, the two playoff series that are currently ongoing? Uh, tonight will be game two of the Islanders and the Lightning. As expected, the uh, Islanders played a very safe system that really suppressed the Lightning's chances, really held them to basically nothing, and were just relentless in the uh, in the uh, forecheck and creating chances of their own. They really tested Vasilevsky quite a, quite a bit with, uh, I mean, not the most dangerous chances, but like when they got them, they made them count that one Barzal goal where he basically just like, like, I still don't really know, understand what Vasilevsky was doing, but like he had his, he had his pads completely split. And then he, he threw he his stick. stick out of the way, I guess, assuming Barzal was going to go on his blocker side, but it completely, he didn't close up his gap. So it was just mm -hmm. like an easy five hole goal for Barzal. And then you could tell from then on, that the lightning were playing frustrated the entire game. I think it was the mm -hmm. second period. Uh, the, the lightning had a power play in the dying minute and headman fumbled the puck on the blue line. And as the horn sounded, he turned around with the puck and just drilled a slap shot into the boards. Cause he was so pissed off at how the game was going. Yeah. Um, if the Isles can keep frustrating a team like the lightning, then this is going to be a very quick series. 
Yeah. Um, like, look, literally, here's the thing, right? Like, you could, and I was, like, as I was watching the game, right, um, there's already, you know, there's been the whole joke about, like, the New York Saints thing with the Bruins, um, uh, and, the, um, with the Lightning, uh, what have we talked about in the show multiple times before in these playoffs? It's that the, the thing that the Lightning love to do and the way that they literally have strategized as they built their team is that, okay, we don't mind taking, you know, we don't mind taking a few penalties and like chippy and purposefully being extra antagonistic against the, uh, towards the opponent, because we know eventually they're going to snap and take a penalty against us and yeah. we will just crush them with the power play because our power play unit is so incredibly stacked, right? But the thing is, the Islanders are relatively disciplined. Are like, yeah, they get away with a lot of stuff for sure. But when it comes to like, they don't take the retaliatory stuff. They're not, they're relatively smart about not uh, getting, getting, letting you get under their skin. And I think the lightning got, in, basically realized, suddenly found it, ran into a team that would not just refuse to take a bad penalty against them. And I, I like, cause literally like, as it was getting to the point, like the lightning were starting to trickle into the box a couple times here, or there, nothing. The Islanders were getting nothing. There was no penalties going their way. And you could, I could literally see it in real time where the uh, lightning are like, shit, our superpower is not working what yeah. the hell do we do? Yeah. Now and what? Like, yeah. And it was literally nuts because all of a sudden you literally saw the lightning, like literally in real time, realizing that they were not going to get any calls, no matter what they did to this team. The Islanders were not going to let them. Uh, were not. They could not go the, the Islanders into penalties. And you saw them like really trying to force the puck to the net and saw, like forcing yeah. plays. Like I think Mikhail Sergachev, literally took had like five turnovers in like the final like 40 minutes like there was one where he literally broke into the blue line normally he would like normally he'd wait and set up but he was like uh, and he like just threw a back a no look pass back to nobody because he was just trying to make something happen so badly yeah and then literally you saw it in the last minute where they finally got brock nelson to take something that was a little bit uncalled like that was an unnecessary penalty for him to take where he gets, puts the, puts kind of the, the stick up high on Kucherov, whether you believe Kucherov sold it or not, yeah. it was a, Hey, you didn't need to, it was, it was the, finally they had gotten the one case where it was like, Hey, you didn't need to do that. Brock, you could have, you could have just skated away. You would have been fine. That was yeah. in, they didn't need it's to enter it up. As soon as he, yeah. It's a bit much like whether or not Kucherov sold it or not, he put himself in the position to get called on it. And, that was the first time all night that had happened for them, for the lightning. And sure enough, bang, bang, it's in the net like yeah. that. And it's two to one. All of a sudden it's a game for the last like 40 seconds. That was all. And that was all it took. Like the Islanders, if they're able to stay that disciplined for the entire series, you're going to watch the lightning just crumble because they literally had no idea what to do when they stopped getting power play called, like getting power play opportunities, not just because like, yeah, they can score at five on five, but they're so used to being able to not only get those man advantage opportunities where they just run you out of the building, but also just gas you at the very least on those opportunities where they just start like tiring out the other team that gives them more opportunities to score on the man advantage on without the man advantage. Yeah. When they ran into an Islanders team that just refused to play that game, play that game with them. They 
folded very quickly. Like I'd never seen the lightning look more human than in that game. Yeah. It, it like comes down to like, like the Islanders, obviously they play with like one forward, like deep into the offensive zone. And then they have two defensemen and then two midfielders basically. So yeah, they the, play in the one, two, two, like a soccer, almost like a soccer formation. Yeah. So for the lightning who, you know, are, are very much like they're a two, two, one, two type of team where they have their, their, entirely based on getting guys down the wings and cutting towards the middle and trying to create those two-on-one opportunities. That's very difficult to do against a team that is very disciplined in the fact that they are not going to give you anything around the dotted lines. So like you could tell like after the second period and you see Victor Hedman, who's usually like a pretty, pretty chill guy smashing the puck into the boards. You're like, Oh no. Yeah. They're they're gonna have a really hard time if they can't make their power play work when they're given the opportunities because at five v five they're just like getting completely choked out. Yeah, they 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 by not being able to frustrate the Islanders by the way they do with every other team, it yeah. in turn just frustrated them even more. Like they basically yeah. played themselves to a certain extent. Uh, yeah, it it was a bit of a. A DJ Khaled, you played yourself type moment where, like, I'm sure they were like, see, guys, you, you can't just keep relying on getting two-on-one opportunities. We're not playing the young teams like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Florida Panthers. Like, these guys are very defensive, so <laughs> we've got to be a lot better at getting three guys up now and really trying to make them break away from their formation a bit so that we can open up ice. But... <laughs> That's you know easier said than done when you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you've spent the last two seasons or more basically just taking kids to town with yeah. the way that you're able to dominate off of the rush. And now you don't get the rush chances. So that's going to be tough. Um, I mean, I guess I'll have to watch it now. I, I wasn't yeah. really like it's. It, like tactically, like it's very interesting to watch like a team like the Lightning get frustrated and see the Isles just like, you know, be the most exciting team on the planet at s- suppressing chances. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know, like it's uh, yeah. it's 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 a bit hard to watch. It's yeah, not- two, yeah, that, that two to one game wasn't exciting. It wasn't a good game. Like no. it, it was it was a lousy game to watch hockey wise. Um, but like. I will say the lightning worse all like it, maybe it, like it's not entirely due to like well I do think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they couldn't drop get the Islanders to draw penalties. They also definitely didn't look like themselves to a certain extent to a certain extent anyway. Yeah. Uh so I don't think they're like dead or anything. Like they're like why was Matthew Barzell able to get literally so much open ice? Like that was like that should they shouldn't be like regardless of how your game your night is going, you should not be like I and I get that Barzell, as incredible as Matt Barzell is, the amount of time and space the Lightning were giving him was ridiculous. Like they were it's, literally uh, just like, "Sure, here you go. Walk into the zone. Like walk into the zone and get as, as many high danger shots as you like." You can't do. There are players you can do that to. Matt Barzell should not be one of them. You should yeah, not like, be letting him have that much space. You need to be tougher on on him when he comes into the zone that way. Like even Boston like did a very good job at making Barzal's life like a living hell. And I mean, the point total showed for it. Like he struggled to produce because they would not allow him time and space or speed to move up ice. And the one time that 
Barzal ever really yeah. did was when he actually scored and it completely flipped around the series for them. So the light you know he's going to score regardless. You just need yeah. to make it tough. You just need to make it a you need to make it like okay, if he's if you're going to score on us, you it's going to be the hardest goal you've ever scored. Like it's going to be the toughest yeah. you've ever had to work for a goal ever. That's literally all I'm that's literally all we're asking for here. It's not like you're not going to be able you could it's the it's the you're not going to be able to stop Matthew Barcel. You're going to only hope to contain him. And in that game they didn't they didn't really even try to contain him. They just let him yeah. go about his business. Yeah, pretty much. Um why don't we move on to the Habs and the Golden Knights? The series everyone actually cares about. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, this is the one series that actually has entertainment value to it. Really. I I will say the opening 10 minutes were interesting because the Habs looked like they had sorted out 5v5 and were ready to like actually make this like a series. And then the Knights scored and it, it didn't matter. It was it was over from then on. <laughs> and then they yeah. fell apart. They couldn't get it, they couldn't generate anything. Like they were really just kept to the perimeter inside the like I think the second and third or the third period especially the Habs pulled the goalie with like five minutes left or whatever it was. And they could not generate shots from the slot. Like they were just basically cycling, cycling the puck, losing the zone, resetting, cycling around the edges. And that was it. It was like, it, it really pains me to say that the two series right now are probably going to be the most boring series of this entire playoffs. Like that's just the vibe I got from that game where it's yeah, like, if, if the Knights can get a lead, they have, no real threat or goal threat from the Habs because they they obviously are struggling with the size and the sticks of the Golden Knights. Like they just cannot seem to get into the inside at, at all. The um, speed is really crushing them too. The Habs defense is a lot older, yeah. is a lot older and a lot slower of a group. Mm-hmm. And the obviously the Canucks learned this last year where if you the the Knights have so many guys who are just speed demons and will just kill you uh and will kill you if you don't have the guys who can keep up who can keep up at that rate you take more penalties that way because you're always chasing you end up getting caught in a lot more in rushes like there are so many things that a quick team can do that uh that make them so much more dangerous that coincides with everything else and then you add to the fact that they're not that small a group either and it's just a lethal combo um, I will say, I actually thought the Habs looked like, okay, obviously, yes, there were points where the Knights absolutely were just dominating them, but I was legitimately like, oh my god, it's going to be like, like I the, the, the bar was low, in my opinion, <laughs> for me. I was like, oh my god, it's going to be like 4 nothing by the end of the first period. It's probably every game's going to be a blowout. This game ended 4-1, to one, and I was kind of, but even then, I kind of walked away like, eh, the Habs were not, like, they were able to hold hang in there. Like there wasn't, there wasn't look that so out of place. Like I think there were games that they played against the Leafs in that first round where they looked a lot worse than they did in this game. Fair. Yeah. Like they actually looked like more or less like they were able to at least kind of tread water there. I think the thing that like, I mean, even the shot totals, like they were only behind by one shot. Uh, If literally they have just a better second period, because looking at the show, literally that was that one period where they got outshot 13 to five in this, in the second period where the Knights really took over. If they just have a little bit better of a, of a second, of a second period, they're able to kind of, you know, 
regroup and play a little bit more with their head screwed on the game's mm-hmm. probably a lot closer than people think like it ends up a little bit closer there were just a couple of plays where literally the defense were just getting just just passed around like nobody's business and poor carry price can't too much like he literally yeah. like there were two where he's just like oh my god like like you just see him go oh crap because you can like uh, just kind of like eh, reach out for it and hope he gets <laughs> it because that's all yeah. he has left in the tank yeah, he- at that point because of how much they're just like Pass, pass, across, across, drop, pass, shot, and you're just like you're you're cooked yeah. at that point. You're and the defense can't keep up. You're like, well, okay, this is going in. I'll throw yeah. something like at it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and he, Flurry is just so darn good that you need to get more opportunities. Flur- as many opportunities Flurry was like on. unbelievable in that game too, which also played against the Habs. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, goaltending is like going to be the difference maker. Like, you know, Flurry could rebound and have like an awful game. Like, he's had awful games this playoffs so far. So, like, you never know what's going to happen, like, as the series progresses. But, like, of course, like, in game one, he's, like, completely lights out, flashing the glove like crazy, making stops, like, just allowing nothing. And then the one goal that he did allow was, like, he had no chance on. It was, like, a rebound. Nobody's covering Caulfield. And it's just, like, the easiest goal of Caulfield's playoffs so far. Um, But, yeah, like, I, I don't want it to be... I think the Habs could make this a series. Here's what, here I'll get here will sure. be the hot take here. I I actually think the Habs. I don't like. I don't think they'll win, but I do think that they can at least get it to like five or six. Like I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled out a few magic wins out of the hat here. Um, yeah, fair. I I think they've got specifically the kind of group that has not shied away. From being like, yeah, we're the underdogs. We can we can handle teams that play a little are better than on paper than we are. Like, definitely the fact that they don't have Jeff Petrie hurts them a lot, especially on yes. defense. Like Shea Weber did not look good. Uh, uh, ben Sherratt had a couple off really tough tough goes in the in his own in his own zone. Um, but I I look at the, the specifically that forward group like with Toffoli, Gallagher, Suzuki, uh, Caulfield, obviously. Like there are guys in there where I w- could see them just and Corey Perry as well, who's still who suddenly suddenly you know is he's playing he's playing very he's good playing very well yeah. yeah he's been incredibly good, uh, incredibly useful for them for them especially for the amount they're paying him, which I believe is like league men. Seeing um, him on a line with Eric Stahl and Foley though like hurt my soul because <laughs> Eric Stahl looks so so slow relative yeah. to his line mates relative to the Knights when they were out there. Like every time I saw Eric Stahl on the ice, I was like, you got, you can't play him. He is yeah. so slow. It's unbelievable. He brings nothing to the ice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, he, he just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he played the least amount of anyone on the ice last night, uh, 10 minutes. He only played 10, 10 or close to 11, I guess, but it was yeah. the lowest among all his teammates. Um, but yeah, they have the pieces there that could just go, hey, why not us? Let's give it a shot here. And right. I think the fact also that they've gotten the first game in Vegas under their belt, specifically playing in front of a packed building again, mm-hmm. I, I expected a lot worse on the on the on the first try for them. I, I think they could hang in there. I think they could. I definitely could see them at least dragging it to a fifth or sixth game. I don't yeah. think it's gonna be this quick. Oh, they got swept, just completely decimated in every game. I think there there are places here and there where they'll be able to catch the Knights off guard. Uh, and if Carey Price has a decent night, like they'll be able to pull a few weird ones out here and there. 
yeah, I agree. Uh, like at the very least, just just make it at least kind of competitive. I don't want to watch eight or like two sweeps and then what like be completely deflated by the time you know the actual cup finals are here. Like I want to have like some kind of intrigue. Like oh, you know the Habs took a few games. Like maybe the Isles do too, and it's all of a sudden a seven game series. Like yeah. I don't want to blow out blowout playoffs that's that's just so boring especially because i think knights islanders would would be such a dud as it is because literally (laughs) like the one thing that the islanders are good at is being the defense first team and then is the defense first team except vegas is basically that too they're just way better at scoring they're like like, literally that's the whole point of like when people are like uh, again people say oh people you're only saying it's the islanders boring because they're good defense the Knights are very good defensively. They just score, and they're actually just play an entertaining brand of hockey. I actually, I think the, I think the Knights, because they could basically match them on the defensive side of the puck, would just decimate the Islanders if they met in the in the final. So I don't want that. So if that, if we're gonna have to get that series, I better see the Lightning and the Habs step up and win a few here and there. I yeah. don't, I. Because that series, because that series would be sh- that would be short. The Knights and Islanders would be short, in my opinion. I, I think it would probably go seven, but it would just be like the most dragged out, like a lot of double OT. It'd be like that one. It'd be like the Kings Rangers series from a few back, where it was like goaltending that was unbelievable, and it was like that was so good. That it was like was one good, goal games every time. It was because it was so close. That it was, was like good. You had yeah. quick on one side, like playing unbelievably, and then you had Lundqvist on the other side, also playing unbelievably as well. And, and I think like three each games guy like allowed like one yeah every single one I think the final two games went to double OT or more yeah I think good like games. it was yeah. insanely tight and it's like I wouldn't be opposed to that but like I would at least appreciate it if it was like seven games that's all yes. give me give, yeah. me, give me games as much as I want that. the off season to begin and give me like you know the Canucks actually like you know under the gun like got to start making some moves. For their to prep a their NHL team, but also the AHL team, which they do not have any names for yet, and they need one in oh, September, like three months. Three <laughs> months. They also need a lot of other things, but the name is probably yeah. The that, that the name's important. The name it is important to set a good example. So Rick Dollywell basically uh, put out a list today that was sent to sent to season ticket holders. Uh, yeah. Of the of or at least well the potential the season ticket holders already for this new AHL team the names were in alphabetical order Aces Arrows Avengers Aviators Canucks Golden Eagles Pilots Millionaires Sockeyes Falcons um, according now according to Chris Faber and this came out like and he posted this like G- I think just before we started recording that name mm-hmm. is actually probably more close to about three names uh, specifically I believe it was. Canucks, Golden Eagles, and Aviators were the three. Were the three, the three on the short on the real the short actual list, short list that they're actually which, considering. Yeah, yeah. Personally, okay. Like, which if those are the three, like I, okay. they suck. Yeah, I think those, those are, are the, like the three worst ones. I mean, Golden Eagles I, is cool. Okay, but it's a PR disaster. You can't name your. You can't name it after your firm See, that's yeah. killed migrant workers. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, or yeah, that's the yeah. I, I I don't know how you could think first. I don't think you. I don't know how you could think that's a good name. Like putting that whole just yeah, the whole amount of hey, 
isn't this kind hey this is the name you have for your farms that uh were in the news for some very bad things recently this seems like a terrible idea to name the team yeah putting that even aside you can't name a team the golden eagles when one of your division rivals at the nhl level is the golden knights you can't do that that's just terrible you just can't you just can't do yeah, that. Yeah, like there's and, already and the AHL team is, the and the AHL team is already called the Colorado Eagles. So it's like you're just that's right. There's already the Colorado Eagles yeah. and the Silver Knights. That's a dumb. It's terrible. It's the worst yeah. name for so many reasons um, on this list for sure. I mean Canucks. Yeah, sure, you can do Canucks. It's the boring option. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna. No one's gonna be like, oh, this sucks. It's just boring. It's just a boring name. It's you super could, boring. Do- it would. It would suck. It'd be like, really? Like, here we are hoping for some like brand new branding that's like, you know, in line with the Canucks name. Mm-hmm. And you just you just reuse all the shit you already got. Like, that's pretty yeah. lame. Yeah. No. Uh, also, the other thing that is worth noting is that uh, the how the name is what the name of the team ends up being is also an option. So, like in terms of yeah. like the city. So it could be Abbotsford, but it could also be Fraser Valley. That's also a yeah. possibility. That's pretty neat. I, I appreciate that. That is pretty neat. That's neat that they have that option in there. I personally like the idea of Abbots naming the team Abbotsford more. I think Fraser Valley is uh, doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It's yeah. I'm not as big a fan of that. Um, out of these names, what's your which ones are like? Which is your favorite here? Which, if you uh, got a choice, let's just say all the ten are still on the table. What are you picking? I would go with the Aces. Frankly, it's it's kind of cool, and the, like you can you can even call it the Black Aces, just because like you literally just had a season w- with like a taxi squad where everyone was called the Black Aces. You had the playoff bubble where everyone was called the Black Aces too. Like pay tribute to like all these guys who've basically been soldiers for you just sitting around not playing by naming the team after a group of like, or like a party that they were basically a part of and, you know, unfortunately not able to play. So like, okay, well, here's your farm team. You know, we appreciate everything you did and we're going to name it in honor of your basically career sacrifice by playing up to and not excluding like one game in an entire season, broken Rafferty. (laughs) But yeah, that that to that. me is the coolest. Like I, I like I like the Golden Eagles name, but like you just you cannot. That's a PR disaster waiting to happen. But like seeing Chris Faber's list of the options, like I'm so deflated by that. Like that's just they're all so know, uninteresting to me. You know what? I think I, I'll say this. I this is not my pick for the record. This is not my pick. But the the Aviators one, that's not bad. I don't mind the Aviators. That's a decent name. I could I could yeah, get behind right. that, especially if you do if you do the logo correctly. Like I don't I don't know if you remember a few years ago, but there was somebody who came up. There was this very popular concept somebody came up with where uh, basically it was supposed to be like Johnny Canuck, but like as a pilot, and they yeah. had like goggles. I, I do like remember the seeing that. Yeah, that that would, like if you put that and put that as like the aviators logo, like that'd be decent. People would get yeah. behind that. I, I I don't hate that, I, and I think that's a relatively unique name in terms of. Uh, hockey circles. I don't think there's been an aviators team at that high a level before. So I I would not be surprised. There has been an arrows. I know that much. I think there's been an aces as well. I think the Quebec aces were a thing for a very long time. Um, But here's my pick. Here's my pick. And if you're watching the video and you can see the t-shirt I'm wearing, I am wearing right now, you already know where I'm about to go here. Um, I do. There is yeah. a very clear, and I, and I, there's a very clear number one choice here. <laughs> um, if there's one thing the Canucks and hockey sometimes has a hard time doing, 
it's looking at what's popular currently and tr and trying to and trying to uh piggyback off that as much as they can hockey is not hockey has done that sometimes sports have done that sometimes like the raptors being the toronto raptors naming themselves that after jurassic park was super popular uh you saw more teams get into like things like the wizards like with harry potter like they're there are, there, are, there, are, there are other teams that have done a very good job at marketing to the times. Like, hell, I'd even argue the Golden Knights, a lot of their game presentation has a very Game of Thrones-esque feeling to it, which I think was done on purpose because Game of Thrones is Probably, super popular. Yeah. Was, was super popular when they, uh, when they came out. Um, everybody knows Game of Thrones. I've never watched it, but I know what it is. Like, that's the kind of thing. The Canuck, if the Can and yes, this is the AHL team, sure, but if the Canucks went up and were like, we're gonna name the team the Abbotsford Avengers, how damn incredible would that be? You like, okay, the possibilities of like how to market that and how to like the jerseys you could do from like the in-house music and pump up stuff like everything about that you could get done would be incredible like there is so many good things like imagine the like literally imagine them like imagine these like the ahl guys like skating out to the avengers theme like oh my god that'd be so cool <laughs> that'd be incredible you've got like uh a goalie stealing my bit where i've always wanted to have iron man themed equipment like i've always wanted to do like a flying oh, skate yeah. iron man combo uh kind of on like some gold on my pads like or and like a mask before that would be yeah. so sick like there are so many things you could do with that that would be amazing um Avengers you could is a clear you way need, to go here. No, it's not. Uh, you yes, would need to get the you need need to get the sign off from Disney first off, because I guarantee if you call them the Avengers, they would sue them and be like, "We own the that. rights to the the Avengers title as a, gr a group." Guaranteed. I'm, I'm, sue. I do wonder about that. Like, I do wonder if that like um, may, you probably yes, you probably do have to get Disney's approval on that one. I wouldn't be surprised if. They would be i i don't think they would be that against it really like absolutely they would are you kidding me uh, uh disney uh well I, I mean they'd be against you just taking it without asking but i maybe I against you it gave them the money i think if you gave them the money they could give less of a shit like i i think they're, they're just like what what's that free cash sure disney you would want, want to they'd want, want a stake in the team for sure they, there's no way they give it to them they're give not it to them here, you're in charge of game. Here, I've killed two birds with one stone. You call them the Avengers. You then go to Disney and be like, "Hey, not only are, like if you let us if you let us use the Avengers name, we will also hire you guys to uh, run our to run our get run a like a sect of your company to run our game in game entertainment." Holy cow! Holy cow! I've just killed two birds with one stone here. You've just created the best hockey atmosphere in canada with that with you, your ahl franchise you've just like, suggested two ways in which the aquilinis are going to have to spend money and lose money earnings so they'll never do that they would never ever. do it because they're not fun <laughs> they're but not the fun they don't be... understand how to huh. market things huh. That's why they're going to go with Incredible. the Abbotsford Canucks because they have no creativity whatsoever. The I artwork, mean, the jerseys, it's all already made. They don't have to do anything. 
Yeah. They're going to take the most the boring approach possible. Or, and you know what it'll be? It'll be aviators, but, like, with a flying skate motif, which might not actually be that bad. Like, I could get I could get behind that. You, I and, I, behind that. you and I are obviously, like, we want um, logos, basically. We want, yeah. we want the new branding, right? We want something fresh and unique. We do not want just the same old shit. Like, I... Like Henderson Silver Knights, like the Golden Knights easily could have just been like, you know, we're going to take the most generic thing and be like the the Las Vegas Snakes, you know. But instead, they're like, our branding is going to be a silver horse. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, a cool looking logo. It's, it's a, a cool logo. It's a dope logo. The age built yeah. out of the horse face. Like, I appreciate it. They decided to use the silver helmets alongside of the golden helmets that they were using in the NHL. Say what you want about how hideous that ugly could, they are. It's yeah. a branding attempt that is unique. If you just it's, go with the Canucks or even the millionaires for that matter, if you're just reusing something you've already got in the back pocket, that mm -hmm. shows you do not care about actually building something fresh, unique, or new yeah. to the fan base. You're just like, here's more of what you've already got. Yeah. Just, Literally just the, accept yeah. it. Literally don't ask questions, consume content. Yeah. Yeah, literally, you know what? And you know what's especially cool about, like, that whole Knights thing that you mentioned is that, like, it, they were willing not only to, like, go with a different, like, a, a proper branding look for a team. They also were willing to go, hey, these uniform, these the uniform uh, equipment we're giving to these players, like the helmets and the gloves, do not match what we have at the NHL level. And if we call them up, we're going to have to get them new ones. And yeah. that's a small but very – that's a small but very uh, – um, good like cool um uh um i guess risk or um a thing that they're willing to take a loss on in terms of money like from a money standpoint that a lot of nhl yeah. teams aren't like so many nhl teams that buy an nh like an ahl franchise they were like okay they're gonna wear the exact same colors the exact same uniform that we have because we don't want to have to pay to buy them new equipment every time they get called up or whatever like we don't want to have yeah. to worry about that because it saves us money the, for the Canucks, if the Canucks are want to, if the Canucks are smart, they will go out and be like, hey, like, like, again, like, I know people see it as a cop out, but to a certain extent, like, if people, if they went and were like, hey, we're going to put them in flying skate colors because people would actually enjoy that because we know how much people like those colors. Yeah. Like, that would be a nice thing to see. Like, it'd be nice yeah. to see them actually go out and be like, yeah, we don't care that we're going to have to go and get them blue stuff when they come up to the Canucks. But yeah. because here you go, because here are the skate colors and that you guys like, and they look good. They, and they look good for, for, for the, for, at the AHL level. Yeah. Go like, go for something like that. Give them some, give people something a little different than what you already have. Embrace the whole fact that you sometimes have a bit of a color that you have a color, uh, like a personality crisis sometimes when it comes to your colors, yeah. embrace it with the AHL team. That's the, that's the opportunity to actually use it at a, and get good use out of those colors again at a right at the at a level that you might be more comfortable with. Yeah, and like on that note, like too, like it feels like they the Canucks like are kind of like distancing themselves from the flying skate for their NHL branding. Like they really want to try like the 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 revamped uh, stick and rink. Like they they They've redesigned three logos. Yeah, and avoided the black skate this year the entire season yeah. so this year i don't think they could use it even if they wanted to um but ne sure. next year it'll be interesting to see what happens next year if they did 
if they didn't bring back the skate at least once or twice, that would be right. interesting as well. But this would be like but, a good, um, like a just an easy marketing tool. Be like, okay, guys, you know who loves the flying skates? Our new team in Abbotsford, the Abbotsford Canucks. The name's boring, yeah. but you know what? We blew the seats and we've got the the black and yellow seat, or actually, the black and yellow jerseys. So yeah. there you go. Have at it. I'm not going to lie. That would piss me off so much if they were like, if they were like, okay, we're going to put like, literally they did the exact opposite of what they should, which is here you go. You're getting the skate jerseys at the AHL, but we're going to have those seats blue, even though <laughs> yeah. that doesn't match that color scheme. And Maybe we're going to keep the red seats with the blue and green team. That doesn't match. Like that would actually annoy me so much. It would so be like, but, but so they, funny. The, the, it doesn't, they don't match. Why? Flip the you flip the chairs there like they the, that'd be very very funny. Uh, but yeah, yes, they should they should they if they're if they do it right they should embrace the other colors as much as they can and try and uh, put together a branding concept that actually matches like a a popular old scheme and gives somebody it gives it a chance to uh, for people to see it that often if they want to especially if, again the Canucks the they don't seem that comfortable in wanting to bring it to the NHL level at, at any point, which honestly I'm fine with because I think the, I personally think those colors suck and I like the green and blue way better. Uh, but you have, but for the people who do like it, for the people who do like it, yeah, give it to them. Like let them see it on that regular basis. If you're not going to give it to them at the NHL level, NHL level is perfect. Go for it. They'll buy that Jersey. They will absolutely buy a, buy a uh, red, a red, yellow and black Jersey. If you give it to them. Well, yeah, and also if you're in the business of like selling jerseys to make money for your franchise, like you need a new logo to sell content. Yeah, you can't oh, just yeah. like because because if you if you choose that the original like uh, blue and green, like no one's gonna buy an Abbotsford jersey because who cares? I've got my my Patterson yeah. jersey in the back. I'm not gonna buy a new one just because it's you know. Yeah, if they're all green and blue, nobody's gonna. Yeah, give no one's gonna no, care. No one's gonna buy any money. Some but people anyway. will, but most won't. Like the the average casual fan won't. Uh, yeah. And yeah, there are some names on here where you could do like a flying skate esque kind of logo that would work with it. That would work yeah, with a lot that. Of, that would work that really well. Like do the flying skate, but like in a falcon, like in the shape of a falcon. Like hell yeah. Sign me. Maybe up. that's why the Golden Eagles are up there, actually. That would maybe that is a clue. The fact that you, the Golden Eagles as a name is up can. there because that because because gold, I mean yellow. they're not gonna do golden eagles with green and blue. That would look very stupid. So <laughs> that like, would that, that so might be ugly. a clue that they're actually leaning towards a green and uh, or a, a, a gold, skate, red, and black, and black color scheme. Yeah, that might That'd actually be. Cool. be a, I should actually, yeah, maybe after this uh, podcast because uh, it won't be up right away. Maybe I should tweet that out. Um, yeah. There well, we why don't we uh, call it right there that then, so we can start getting into our own photoshops of all these ideas in our heads because that's exactly what oh, we're going to yeah. do. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate on all available podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever, wherever you find us. You name it, it's there. You name it, we're there. Give us reviews. We appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your grandmas, tell your gifts. Um, Lachlan, (laughs) where can the five folks find I'm going to start cutting that. I'm going to start cutting that if you do that again. I'm Uh, changing my at handle to Gil Sieverton just so you have to acknowledge it. I, I I absolutely do not. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lock in the Crease. And you can find uh, my work at lockinthecrease.com. I write sometimes. You should look at it, I guess. 
Uh, and if you really enjoyed the stuff we're doing here, you should check out our Patreon. For only five bucks a month, you get bonus shows, you get uh, newsletters sometimes, you get uh, early access to some articles that I write. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, and you'll end access to our Discord uh, for as low as one dollar a month, and five bucks a month gets you all the bonus shows. Um, Cody, where can they find you? Uh, everyone can find me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and my site commentsharvest.com and my only my only gilfs account at Cody Sievertson. This has been episode 122 of the Creasecast. We will catch you guys on Friday where we recap two more games of the Stanley Cup playoffs and whatever Canucks news comes your way. So thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Uh, bye. Bye.